You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about human rights and Harry Styles. I'm Yasmin Lomax. I'm Micah Hahn. And we are your resident human rights and Harry Styles fans who are here to guide you <laughs> through politics and pop culture mm-hmm. on a monthly basis. But before we get into the educational end of the podcast, Micah, how has your February been? Uh, my February has been great. I uh, My parents were in town. Lovely. And uh, we went to Ottawa. Always exciting to see the nation's capital. Um, is it? It is the nation's capital. Oh. It's very tiny. Very cool. I mean, not that cool. Um because I study political science, a lot of my friends are looking at getting jobs in Ottawa for the summer, and no one is excited about it. It's like the Canberra, like, of Australia. And yeah, like, I guess. Melbourne and Sydney are cool, and then Canberra is, like, where the government is, but no one actually wants to be there. No offense. Sorry, any Canberra listeners. I like Canberra <laughs> a lot. Actually. How have you been? Also good. I went to... New Mexico, Arizona, and Nevada for work, which was really great. It was a really successful work trip. I also got to do some fun activities. Um, New Mexico was cold. For some reason, I didn't know that they got – oh, we got like like a foot of like snow. I did not know that that oh. was a thing that could happen. The schools had to close down for oh the day God. because of the snow. Yeah, it was insane. But I did go to a very cool – like exhibition called meow wolf in santa fe that i would definitely recommend if you're in the area it's basically like they've recreated this like house and then there's all like secret bits inside it so there's like a secret tunnel in the fridge or like you can climb through the fireplace or slide down the washing machine and it's insane it is amazing i actually saw that brandon flowers went there last week so just a little we're just you know mm. on the same wavelength like that man you were there first i think he probably got the idea from me because i was sure. i was tweeting at him to see if he wanted to hang out when i got to vegas you know if he wanted to show me around the hometown he did not respond so that was a little Rude. tragic um yeah but i've moved on um <laughs> I would like the city of Phoenix, Arizona, to respond to me because I had a great time there. That is a fun, cool city. Mm-hmm. Big up Phoenix. Uh, not a fan of the heat, though. Way too hot already. In, in <laughs> yeah, but other than that, fantastic. They were the highlights of my month. And I also had time to read, watch, and listen to things while I was traveling. Yeah. Did you? I did. I have I have made up for my lack of reading, and I have two books. Who is she? I know. Um, I listened to both of them, but still counts. Uh-huh. Absolutely, we don't we don't have discrimination like that. I don't. No, I don't, don't shame audiobooks on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Different books can be read. Oh, spin off pot. Spin off pot. <laughs> Um, so one book, uh, I listened to Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney, which Yaz has talked about on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about two friends, um, an affair, um, older, cool artist types. Um, I liked it quite a lot. Um, 
I think a little bit more than Yasmin did. Um, I, for some reason, found the main character's voice kind of really compelling, though she was quite annoying at times. Um, like she went from compelling to annoying very quickly. Um, I really liked the representation representation of women's health in the book. I find that we kind of like lose that aspect of women's lives a lot in fiction. I did Plus like in- that actually. I'll agree yeah. on that. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Um, very quick listen. I think at one point I was just sitting in my apartment, staring off into space, listening to my audiobook, and it was great. Um, if you do read Normal People, which I, the other Sally Rooney book that I much prefer, I think a physical read of that's probably a little bit better than an audiobook. So. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. I just, the first from that story, I, I yeah. Oh, the first one of the decade. Yeah, well, no, I've read many um, books for school, like in True. full. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Um, my Goodreads of 2020 is two audiobooks and three, uh, like, political science books. So, so much fun. I know. Um, the other audiobook that I finished this month, which I actually just finished a couple hours ago, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, it's called Mrs. Everything by Jennifer Weir. And Jennifer Weir. I think is known for like her woman's fiction, which is a dumb category, but like books like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mrs. Everything tells the story of two sisters growing up in fifties Detroit and it goes through their lives. Um, when we first meet them, Joe is the sister who can never fit in and get approval from her mother. And Bethy is the perfect daughter who everyone loves. Um, and I picked it up because one of the things it goes through is the evolution of the woman's movement, which is the thing I'm most interested in. Um, in general, I guess. And, um, I was very excited about that. And, um, when like picking up the book and reading the description or picking up my phone that had the description of the audiobook on it, um, I like thought I could kind of think of what the plot was going to be in kind of just because we know how stories work. Um, mm. But I was so pleasantly surprised that it kind of went in twists and turns that I had never expected. Oh, that was good. Yeah. So I really, really liked it. I would highly recommend. Um, the end gets a little bit cheesy about like where women have come today. And it like ends with Hillary Clinton being nominated um, as like to run, but doesn't get to Trump winning. So it, like, uh, yeah, we'll just end, end on the high. <laughs> yeah, we'll end on the high, but we won't get to the like what actually happened. Um, so I would recommend though. What have you been reading? I read a fantastic book this month called Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino. Have you read this, Micah? I haven't. Oh, this is so far up your alley. The whole time I was reading, I was like, Micah, Micah, Micah. This is a Micah book <laughs> for sure. It's um, nonfiction. It's a collection of very millennial essays about elements of culture that shape us and how these often project false images or cause like self-delusion. It's sort of a complex topic, but um, each essay explores a different facet of that. So uh, the author discusses her time on a reality TV show as a teenager and, you know, the characters that that forces people into or presents to the public. Uh, She writes about scammers, about the pressure to always be optimizing our bodies, the institution of marriage, uh, religion and drugs. One of my favorite ones was about being a difficult woman. 
Uh, that mm-hmm. was a really interesting essay. I think it's my favorite book I've read so far this year. It's The writing is just so smart and insightful and thoughtful. And many of the essays have really stayed with me and have prompted me to unpack my own thoughts and experiences on the subjects that she explores. So thoroughly recommend Trick Mirror. I've seen a lot of people reading it on the subway. So <laughs> perfect. It's, it's been enjoyed. How about watching? What have you watched this month? Um, so one movie I watched, maybe I think the only movie I watched, I watched Uncut Gems, um, which is about a jeweler in the Diamond District who um, keeps making really bad financial decisions and is pulling off one last kind of heist-like thing to try and save his life and marriage and all of it. Um stars Adam Sandler in what is not a comedic it's funny role but it's a dramatic role he's so good in it like definitely the best part of the movie is just he's a phenomenal actor um I love that when comedic actors are actually like extremely yeah. talented serious actors like mm-hmm. my hero Steve Carell mm-hmm. um and I like honestly didn't I think it was a little bit too much for me for the like for like for most of the movie and then the last 15 minutes it kind of completely like it went on in such a direction that I just loved it um it was everyone says it was kind of snubbed for the Oscars but the night before the Oscars it won a bunch of indie spirit awards um and I would highly recommend watching those acceptance speeches Adam Sandler won and he like had this whole speech prepared and it was hilarious and wonderful and really endearing and then the Safdie brothers who were the directors also won best director and like had this hilarious speech so would recommend not only watching uncut gems but also watching the acceptances for uncut gems um the other thing i watched was i watched all of next in fashion in like a couple days um i thought it was like a great positive wonderful reality show it's gorgeous um i Saw this Atlantic article um, that says reality, it's called Reality Shows Don't Have to Be Cruel. And it's all about like the origins of cruelty in reality shows mm. and how like X Infraction is this kind of refreshing take of like everyone like competing against each other, but being incredibly kind to each other and like supportive. Yeah, I definitely think it's in more of like a Great British Bake Off kind of vibe and that mm-hmm. it's more of a teamwork element. And you know, with recent news around Love Island in recent years, and obviously uh, most currently the news about Caroline Flack, I think some kindness in reality TV is definitely great. And I hope you have joined my Alexa Chung hive now. She's wonderful. I would would die for her if needs be. (laughs) I just want to go on the record and say that. She is amazing. She's pretty great. Um... (sighs) I have somebody else who is also the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Two most beautiful mm-hmm. women. So there's Alexa. There is also Zoe Kravitz. And I watched mm-hmm. her new show, High Fidelity, on Hulu this month. It came out on Valentine's Day. It is absolutely amazing. It's the most recent adaptation of the 1995 book of the same name by Nick Hornby. And then that was later made into a 2000 movie starring John Cusack. Um, and this version is a, a series, obviously. It stars Zoe Kravitz as Rob, who is a male character in the book and the movie. Um, so it's an interesting change right off the bat. 
And Rob is a record store owner in the rapidly gentrified Crown Heights neighborhood of Brooklyn who revisits past relationships through music and pop culture while trying to get over her one true love. If you are someone who loves music and feels feels very deeply, which I don't know if that's describing anyone. Um, um, doesn't okay. feel so personal. Um, you will love this. I, I really resonated with Rob and the supporting characters are fantastic too. Her friends and record store employees, Simon and Sharice are hilarious, but they're not at all two dimensional. And Jake Lacey is great in this. He's doing his classic nice guy role again. And my good friend Erica wrote a fantastic article about high fidelity for Consequence of Sound. So I will link to that in the show notes. She does a fantastic job of, I think she would convince anyone to give this amazing show Mm -hmm. a go. On to listening. Have you listened to anything this month, Micah? Um, I have. Um, I started listening to an artist called Frankie Cosmos. Mm. Um, she's an NYC indie pop artist. She actually used to be an actress and was in Squid and the Whale, which is one of the movies by Noah Baumbach, who just did Marriage Story. Right. And who we love Mr. Greta we like Marriage Story, but also because he's Mr. Greta <laughs> Um Mostly that. Um, uh, the music's really good. Um, it's very reminiscent of like snail mail or always um, fun, poppy, but not too poppy. Good, good music. That's all I have to say about it. What about well, you? I am gonna gonna surprise everyone this one. <laughs> and talk about the new Stroke songs. The Strokes are really really back now i mean they've been back for about a year touring but they've been doing the classic strokes thing of doing a very random tour only Mm -hmm. playing their very old music like pre-2006 tracks um but now they have finally announced that they have an album coming out and some songs um they debuted two new songs this month. The first is called At the Door. And this one was actually first aired at the Bernie rally they played at in New Hampshire. Damn. Which was, if, if you could watch the video of that, it is amazing. They they get word that they're going to have to wrap up, but they don't want to. So they decide to finish the show with New York City cops and then invite the audience to stage invade, at which point actual cops like turn up on the stage and julian casablancas is like yelling new york city cops um which is quite offensive lyrics to cops in the cop space it's it's amazing it's rock and roll i bloody love it uh but they also debuted this track and it is a slow one it's reminiscent of their come down machine era work uh if you're after something a little more upbeat they have a super super fun one uh called bad decisions that's out right now it has a amazing 70s style music video and they've as a band they've always had really great music videos the song itself is pretty much melt with you crossed with dancing with myself but it's <laughs> lyrically very witty and i'm very excited to dance to it live while yelling about making bad decisions so very excited for the stroke shows i will be seeing in 2020 
this month on the podcast, we're going to be talking about some Canadian news that has really been blowing up in Canada and kind of dominating national news headlines. Uh, as I live in Canada, I have no conception of how much it is permeated outside of my nation. Not at all, not says at all. Yasmin. Sorry, um, but it should. <laughs> I and so maybe yes. maybe everyone else has, but maybe. I mean, um, no one's spoken to me about it. So, uh, it should be escaping Canada a little bit and getting more attention because it's really important. So, um, what we're going to talk about this week is or this month? Ugh, I can never get that right. We'll just have to start weekly podcasts. I, I can't. I don't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I am Joe March. <laughs> I've tried, but I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Anyways, so this month we're going to talk about the Wet'suwet'en um, protests that are happening in BC, um, but also all over the country. So, who are the Wet'suwet'en and why are they protesting? So, the Wet'suwet'en are one of the many indigenous groups in British Columbia, um, which is a province of Canada, if you didn't know that after listening to this podcast before. Um, we and should all be able to pass like a Canadian citizenship test from listening yes, to this podcast. This is true. That's one of the goals of the podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, they, um, it's, the Wet'suwet'en is the larger name for the group, but the Unistoten is the name for the group that is specifically protesting right now because a um, company is trying to put a natural gas pipeline through their land, and they've been trying to do this for um, many, many years. So I'll read you the expl- explanatory blurb from the Unistoten's website. Um, so they say that the Coastal Gas Lake slash TransCanada, which is the pipeline, is proposing a 670-kilometer fracked gas pipeline. Sorry, it's the company. Um, that would carry fracked gas from Dawson's Creek, BC, um, to coastal town of Killamat, where LNG Canada's processing plant would be located. LNG Canada is the single largest private investment in Canadian history. Each clan within Wet'suwet'en Nation have full jurisdiction under their law to control access to their territory. Under um, Anunishnitan, um, or Wet'suwet'en Law, all five clans of the Wet'suwet'en have unanimously opposed all pipeline proposals and have not provided free prior and informed consent to Coastal GasLink slash TransCanada to work on the Wet'suwet'en lands. A lot happening in that, and we'll unpack what that statement means. Um, throughout the course of this episode, but basically, Dawson's Creek, which including yes, we can unpack that right now. There's a place in Canada called Dawson's Creek, and I'm pretty sure that's what somehow Dawson's Creek, the show, got its name from. Right, you can fact check us on that. Um, anyways, basically, um, pipeline. Uh, going through indigenous lands um, and the indigenous peoples believe that the company trying to do this doesn't have the right to do that. Um, so this we have starts all the way back in 1997 when the Supreme Court decided that the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs who are um, hereditary leaders of the Wet'suwet'en clan or a group um they were given rights over the land that they were living on. So a little bit of 
history, um, the, the lands of Canada um, have all are the ancestral lands of the indigenous peoples who were here before colonizers got here. And in some cases, colonizers made treaties with indigenous peoples. So like a lot of the prairie lands in um, Canada are treaty lands, but in British Columbia, there are actually no treaties and um, the colonizers just came in and took the land without actually making agreements with the native uh, indigenous peoples. Um, and the BC government has been trying to create treaties and allow for self-government of some form for many years now, and they haven't really been successful, specifically in Wet'suwet'en. They still have control over their land and have not signed any mm-hmm. treaties. So in 2007, mm-hmm. um, TransCanada um, and slash Coastal Link started to propose to put a pipeline through the Wet'suwet'en land. And as soon as the proposal started, the Unistoten um, began to oppose that action. And the biggest thing they did to oppose that is they started to build camps and buildings on the areas that the pipeline was supposed to go through. So they have um, like uh, a lot of traditional activities that they've built huts for there. And it's, so it's not just people, it's like actual important cultural things that are on huh. that land. This wasn't the type of protest I was expecting. This is yeah. so cool. Um, so it gets a little bit more intense as like the time goes on. Right. So they were occupying this land um, that they say they have a right to, and many other people say they have a right to as well. And then in no- and this just continues, and it gets more and more less like just occupying the land, and more and more protesting. And in November 2018, the company that um is trying to put the pipeline through, was granted an injunction to remove the protesters. So an injunction allows um, the cops, in this case, the RCMP, which are the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, those people in, like, <gasps> the horses! red uniforms. Yeah, but they're not on horses. They're not in the red uniforms. They just have guns and oh. do not really respect Indigenous peoples. That sounds less um, I know. It, it's kind of sad. Um so they were told they could take the protesters out. Um, this injunction has been fought in um, different courts. Um, in January 2019, this kind of blew up as the Una Stoughton refused to move. But that was a year ago. So why are we talking about it now? Mm-hmm. As it's gone up through different courts, um, the Supreme Court decided the injunction could hold. And in the beginning of January 2020, so two months ago, um, or a month and a bit ago, um, the protesters were told they had to leave. Okay. Or they would be forcibly removed. And they didn't leave. Um, And this, um, people became very worried about violence from the RCMP Mm -hmm. because um, a report came out that said that the RCMP were talking about using snipers to oh, deter protesters. Geez. Yeah. Um, so, and there's been footage recently of um, the RCMP pointing guns at protesters. Um, it's unclear whether it was jokingly or not, though how you point a gun jokingly is unclear. It doesn't sound very funny. And I, I like different types of comedy, but that doesn't sound funny to me. I know. Um, so now... Um, 
the Wet'suwet'en and the Unistoten people are firmly planting themselves on their land, trying to stay there. Um, and they say they have quite a strong legal precedent to do so. Um, and people are kind of debating this. So there's kind of two, two important grounds that they're um, basing their claim off of. Mm-hmm. One is that um, they have their hereditary chiefs do not support the um, pipeline. So there's in indigenous politics, there's kind of two um, governing bodies. So there's elected chiefs and hereditary okay. chiefs mm-hmm. and elected chiefs um, are institutions and people who are put in place by the Canadian government oh. during the Indian act. And the Indian act is kind of as racist as it sounds. Um, and kind of put in these forms of government that weren't really accepted by a lot of indigenous peoples. There's some indigenous peoples who like really enjoy and use the forms of government that the government, the Canadian government has given them, but it isn't the case all around. And it's unclear who has what power. So the elect, a bunch of elected chiefs have made negotiations with the pipeline company to say that if this pipeline goes through, we want some benefit and they've negotiated benefits with them. Um, but the what's what are arguing that these elected chiefs don't have the right to approve the pipeline, and it's only the hereditary chiefs who can. Okay. And the five hereditary chiefs have said they do not approve it. Um, okay. So they're saying that that's, and the Supreme Court has given the hereditary chiefs the right to make this decision. Mm-hmm. So um, that's their argument for why the land it shouldn't go through. The other um, important piece of law that's involved in this is the United Nations Declarations for the Rights of the Indigenous Peoples, or UNDRIP. Um, so this was a declaration that was created in the early 2000s. Um, uh-huh. The Canadian government, when it um, was first drafted, was the Canadians were the one of only four countries that refused to sign it. Oh, wow. Um, and it wasn't signed until 2016. Um, the BC government decided to sign it separately. Um, last year. And what's really important about UNDRIP is that it calls for free, prior, and informed consent mm-hmm. from Indigenous peoples whenever you want to use their land. Okay. Um, and the hereditary chiefs and the Wet'suwet'en people are saying that there hasn't been any free, prior, or informed consent. Um, which, like, some of the government debates that they were consulted but they weren't they didn't consent to it Mm -hmm. and so this gets into how powerful is UNDRIP do we sign on to it as a symbolic gesture or do we sign on to it as a real and actual commitment to the indigenous peoples um and it kind of shows a lot of people are arguing that it shows the hollowness of um Canadian reconciliation and that like we've signed this document that should be binding yeah but isn't actually getting followed. Yeah. Um, so bring up that whole discussion as well. I mean, yeah. that's another whole path you could go down with this, really, right? Yeah. So two kind of reasons, and obviously there are many other reasons, but two main reasons why the Wet'suwet'en um, are like holding firm in claiming this territory. So um, as the Wet'suwet'en are protesting, there's been this upsweep of 
solidarity protests across Canada. And it's been huge. So there's been a lot in Vancouver, which is the main city in British Columbia. Um, and there have been many arrests in Vancouver of people stopping um, roads. And it's not just, it's it's led by Indigenous peoples, but there are um, settlers and white people um, there helping as, and protesting as well. Um, not just white people, but settlers in general. Um, also across Canada as well. So like the Mohawk um, band on the East Coast has been very, strong in protesting. And the big thing that's been happening is that trains have been starting to be blockaded across Ooh, Canada. Oh, interesting. Um, to the point where Via Rail, one of the main train companies in Canada, kind of like Amtrak, um, has canceled a huge amount of its... Ooh. Um, yeah, a lot of its trips, which is interesting because it turns out that there aren't that many blockades up and they probably could continue a lot of their trips. Oh, so um, I wonder if they're maybe on the side of the Wet'suwet'en people. Or am I read- I'm being too optimistic? Well, I think uh, what what's really happening is people are very upset. Like it makes people upset at the Wet'suwet'en people and the protesters. Yeah. The trains are canceled. So it's kind of, it's not helping them to cancel no. the trips. It's kind of like blaming them for making Canada oh, suck. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right, right. But yeah, I could see how you could like think it's the other way. Um, it's kind I of unclear. But uh. Yeah. Um, and so people continue to be arrested for violating different – so now all of these injunctions are happening to people getting like told they can't protest on train tracks or can't protest mm-hmm. on major roads. Um, and this is like a big deal. So Justin Trudeau was supposed to um, leave Canada to go to the Bahamas and the rest of the Caribbean, which sounds like a fun trip, but on this the side. Facial hair. Uh, yeah. Um, what he's really trying to do is he's trying to get Canada's Security Council seat, which is a, an aside. Um, but he had to cancel his trip to kind of solve what's really right. quickly becoming like a national issue of if trains can't run, then we can't get a huge amount of product across Canada. T- trains are still a huge part of the Canadian economy. Um, and the federal government itself really hasn't done that much yet. The conservatives who are the official opposition have been very vocal about calling for the removal of protesters um, and saying that the hereditary chiefs don't actually have any rights and that the elected chiefs um, have approved so that they... So there's no reason to um, allow for this protesting to happen, which is many people have pointed out is is very ironic in the fact that um, in the last year, we've seen a lot of people rise up against their governments and the conservatives have been very supportive of them. So like the people of Venezuela were supported by the conservatives. Um, Many other people, People rising up against their government have been supported, but in our in Canada, you don't see the conservatives having the same support. No, it's when it suits them. Yeah, so that is where we stand currently. Um, trains being blocked, protests happening in every single day in all the major um, cities across Canada, um, and no clear action yet. Um, what we can, if if you wanted to help with um, the uh, fight against pipelines and the protecting of Indigenous rights. We'll link in our description some 
information, but also links to the Unistoten Legal Fund, which they need because they keep on getting arrested and need to pay for lawyers. Um, So that is what's happening in Indigenous politics in Canada. And it's very cool and, like, sucks that it, like, has to come to this, but is um, kind of the thing like this huge thing that's happening in Canadian indigenous politics that we haven't seen. Um, It's such a national thing in quite a while. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for teaching me about this, Micah. You're welcome. So last month for the pop culture segment of the podcast, I spoke about Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston, and I'm sterly, sterly? Clearly, clearly, clearly still on a Jennifer Aniston kick because this month I would like to talk about the Friends reunion that was announced Ah. towards the end of February. Uh, Basically, that the Friends, one of the most popular and enduring television shows ever, would be reuniting for a TV special this year. And naturally, the whole world got pretty freaking excited that after 16 years, they were really just on a break. So this episode, we're giving you all the details on what we know so far about their reunion, as well as opening up a discussion about whether it's actually necessary or a good idea. So to begin it all, we're going to take it back to 1994 when Friends began um, and tell you a little bit about the series itself. If you don't know Friends, I... You may actually be from Mars. I think it is one of the staples of life on Earth of the past 30 or so years. Um, It's a sitcom that ran from 1994 to 2004 that followed six friends in their 20s and then 30s as they hilariously navigated life in New York City. It starred Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, David Schwimmer, Matthew Perry, and Matt LeBlanc, who are all still very busy and recognizable today, which I think is one of the um, hallmarks of success. Obviously, uh, Jen Ann is definitely the most so. Good on her. She's fabulous. Uh, The show itself was, and I think still is, enormously successful. It was Mm -hmm. nominated for 63 Primetime Emmy Awards over the course of its 10-year run. Uh, 52.5 million Americans watched the final episode live. That's like a quarter of the country, right? We're sitting down and watching this one episode. It's insane. The cast were making a million dollars per episode in the final seasons. Uh, The cast also negotiated syndication rights. um, And the show is still constantly on television now. I mean, I'm sure if everyone just turned on their TV right now, Friends will be on some channel. So it makes about a billion dollars. That's billion with a B every single year just on syndication, which means that because of these rights um, that the cast have negotiated, the, the six of them, they're each making around $20 million off reruns insane completely insane so the new stuff what do we know about the reunion so far it's an unscripted and untitled special that is a (laughs) air quotes celebration of the beloved show it's going to be on hbo max which is a new streaming service that will launch in may 
All six of the friends will be returning, as well as show creator creators Marta Kaufman and David Crane, and original producer Kevin Bright. It will be filmed on the original soundstage on the Warner Brothers studio lot in Burbank. Uh, there's no news yet on the exact debut date, but we'll obviously have to be after May when HBO Max launches. And we also don't know a lot about you know, format or plot, etc., um, but the reunion does make a lot of things clear because there's been a few fishy little friends bits going on recently. Mm-hmm. So at the end of 2019, it was taken off Netflix, um, despite it being one of the most popular shows on the platform and Netflix spending a lot of money to keep it on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still on Canadian Netflix, just saying. Yeah, I actually think it's still on Irish Netflix as well. But American Netflix, she's gone. Um Jennifer Aniston joined Instagram towards the end of last year as well, which was totally random. And she posted what I believe is the first picture of all six friends together since the Mm. show ended. I think they've never actually all six of them been in a room together since the show finished up. Um, So a few little bits that had people curious. Now it's all making sense. So the question we have to ask ourselves now is, why a reunion? What, what, why is this happening? Um, one explanation could be to please the fans, you know? People really wanted. I think as soon as Friends ended, people wanted more. Um, every show almost, I mean, almost every show inevitably caves and comes back for one more round, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to think of one that doesn't. Um, another plausible reason, money. Uh, writer Jason Aiden of Inc. argued that it's a clever way to turn the millions of friends fans out there into HBO Max subscribers. Um, and what I'm kind of getting from that is that we seem to be entering the era of um, streaming services, right? There's like mm-hmm. basically going to be an all-out streaming service war. There's so many cropping up now. And to funnel people in with friends i think that's like a really clever idea right mm-hmm. um and the cast might agree to that because there are reports they'd be making up to three million dollars um another explanation that i've come up with myself is that maybe it is to address um the more recent discussion about some issues with friends that younger generations seem to have so yeah while it was on Netflix, a whole you know new generation got to experience Friends for the first time. Um, I think these were the ones that didn't really grow up with, with TV on because, it, as I said, it's on there a, a lot. Um, and a lot, a lot of people pointed out that the show hadn't aged well. You know, they said there was a lack of diversity, lots of sexist, homophobic, and fatphobic jokes. And I will, like, admit that you can definitely see a stark difference between the kinds of jokes that were on Friends versus similar ones that were on The Office just a few years later. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think on a show like The Office, it was very clear that the person making the joke, usually Michael, was an idiot and that their opinion wasn't endorsed. Whereas in Friends, if you had Chandler making a joke about Monica previously being obese, there was a laugh track and everyone was supposed to join in on it. And... Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we can say that that was uh, consistent with the 
humor and attitudes of the time, um, that it's an artifact of the past, that maybe we should be focusing on uh, making sure that things that are being made now aren't doing that. Um, but maybe this is them trying to convey a new image in in 2020 and give friends a more modern um, lease of life. So with all that being said, it is mm-hmm. time to think about whether doing that for any of those three reasons is is a good idea. Is it a good idea to bring friends back? And to be honest, I'm a little apprehensive mm-hmm. for a few reasons. Number one, mm-hmm. I think there's a worry about ruining the legacy uh, Friends was unusual in that it had 10 strong seasons. So I'm also a little concerned because Courtney Cox revealed, and we spoke a bit more about um, this in a YouTube series called Hiking with Kevin. Um, and she said that it's going to be an unscripted special, which means it's essentially going to be the six actors sitting around reflecting and indulging in the nostalgia of a tv show that they were all in like 16 years ago and i just don't know if what is essentially a group interview is going to be interesting enough to hold people's attention after so long i know this was so hyped up but i think originally everyone jumped to the conclusion that it was going to be a new series or um, a movie like special or even you know just a half hour episode and to sort of get an interview i mean we've waited 16 years and it's an interview I don't know if that's going to make people happy. So we will we will see. My other worry, reunions often don't go down well. Mm-hmm. For example, the Gilmore Girls one. I didn't like that. Did you like that? Um, I liked it enough. I didn't think it was that great. No, I, it was nothing on the original series. Sometimes they just don't match up to the strength of the original one. You know, too much time has passed. There's too much self-awareness to it. Um, Another example, Sex and the City 2, the movie, um, that lost the lighthearted spark of the series. And it wasn't even set in New York City. And I think that was a chief problem. Holidays are always a trope a lot of reunions rely on as this way to like Mm -hmm. feel fresh, but it takes away a lot of what people loved about the original mm-hmm. show, especially for something mm-hmm. like Sex and the City, that's literally called Sex and the City. It's one of the main characters, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and with that, it was just rehashing old drama. It was overblown. No one liked it. So, as I mentioned before, this is an unscripted special, but I would like us to take a moment to imagine a perfect world in which the Friends reunion is anything we want it to be. It can be the movie length special. It could be a one hour thing. It could be a whole series. It could be exactly what the old thing was, whatever the format. Micah, what would you like to happen in this? And I'm going to continue to call this the Micah and Yaz friends reunion. Um, and we're just going to bounce some ideas. So Micah, in your perfect world, in the Micah and Yaz friends reunion, what's going on? I've thought about this a lot. Have you really? Here's the challenge okay. of introducing friends again: is you have to have Monica and Rachel's apartment. Yeah, like, I mean, this is stage. But how are they going to get yes. the apartment back? Exactly. So they, they the show ends and they leave it. Here's here's my thought: who and and so hopefully Monica and Chandler are happily married and don't want to live in this like early twenty somethings apartment, and so are Ross and Rachel. But who is old enough to be in their early twenties? 
Emma. Emma. Ben. If you don't know Emma. Or Ben. Yes, but I think it's going to be Emma. I, oh my god, what if they brought Cole Sprouse back? Oh my gosh. Okay, so either yeah, we're gonna it's going to be... We are. Either it's going to be Ben or Emma, but I think it could be Emma, who is like a 20-something and somehow gets Monica and Rachel's old apartment back. And then shenanigans ensues. Because she'd be actually be quite old. Well, Ben would be like in his 30s now. I think Ben is tw- – uh, sorry, Emma is – I don't think Ben's in his 30s. I do believe Emma is 21 because okay. for her first birthday, uh, Chandler records the video that they're going to show her on her 21st birthday. And he makes mm-hmm. a joke about her still napping. And he says – I think he says something like, hey, it's 2020, Emma, and you're still napping. I'm almost mm. certain that he references it being 2020. So okay. so Emma's 21, but that means Ben's like 26 or something. Because Emma, Emma was born yeah. like let's say midway, well, towards the end of the se- seasons, right? So she and Ben had conveniently disappeared by that point. But yes. he would have been born in season one. So we'd say he's like late 20s. Mm-hmm. So either Ben or Emma are going to move into the apartment. That is my prediction. Oh, that's a good or- one. They move it. Well, they are like they're half. They're siblings, I guess. They are. They they're are. Yeah. They've just never been seen together, which is so strange. Mm. They were just, never seen like, together. Cole Sprouse still popular. Yeah, like you could pull a new audience in for sure. Oh God, yeah. The children will be part of it. That's how they're getting the apartment back. That's all I've thought of. Yeah, and then what there's also um, Monica and Chandler's kids who will be like 15, oh, yeah. 16 now, sixteen. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I like it's just it worries me that the like like new shows that have that feature like kids very much are like these dumb kids with their cell phones and their iPads. Yeah, and, like, yeah. And so, like yeah. Gen whatever. Like I hope they don't do that to them. I hope so too. I hope I hope they bring Paul Rudd back. Um mm, because yes. it will be I, I don't like when they have to do that, like, explain away of, like, oh, where's Mike? Like, um, I think it'd be great to see Paul Rudd back. I think they could do some great mm-hmm. aging jokes with him. Um, mm-hmm. I think that'd be funny. I would like to see all, like, the three main couples, like, obviously, Ross and Rachel, Monica and Chandler, um, Phoebe and Mike, still mm-hmm. together. I can't mm-hmm. – I think if one of them's not, it's Ross and Rachel, right? They're the most, like, oh, unstable yeah. of the group. Um I think probably – well, there was the TV show, the spinoff Joey, where Joey lives in L.A. Yes, I think so, they're just going to, like, retcon that. It didn't happen. I don't know. I think they might have to bring Joey in from L.A. Like, I, the thing was they'd all sort of, like – well, I mean, Ross and Rachel and Phoebe were still in the area, but Monica and Chandler had moved out to, like, Connecticut or something, right? And then we have maybe Joey in Jersey. Los Angeles. Yeah. They moved to Jersey. Would they do that? I don't know. The suburbs. The suburbs. Um, there's going to have to be an event that's going to bring them all back together because they all have separate lives now. Ben's wedding. <gasps> Ben's wedding. To one of Phoebe's triplets. <gasps> that could happen. Because they'd be like similar age, right? No, yeah. but like I bet you those triplets are messed up because they had those parents. Well, Alice seemed normal. Frank was just kind of crazy. No, Alice like was a high school teacher who ran off with her student. 
it, but she was also the mom from that 70s show, and I liked her in that a lot. So Yeah, she was a little bit crazy. If they brought her back, that'd be sick. If they brought Kitty Foreman back, I'd be all over that. Um, How do you think they could get Brad Pitt to come back? I was genuinely thinking, I wonder if all the <laughs> Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston stuff has been to bring Will back. Um, mm. I can't imagine how he would be they must run into him. Janice is obviously going to have to come oh, back. They're yeah. going to have to bring back classic characters. Like, there's going to be ugly naked guy. Um, there's going to have to be so many like fan serving moments like that, right? Gunther will have to come back. Gunther will have to come back, and he'll have to still be in love with Rachel, and Rachel will still have to be oblivious to it. Ugly naked guy. There's going to be some like plot point with ugly naked guy. Um, Estelle is dead, and the grumpy guy from the apartment building is dead as well. So that's fine. We don't have to worry about them. Um, I'm trying to think of Richard. Richard, I would love to see Richard come back. I do believe Monica and Ross's dad has passed away in real life, though. Mm-hmm. I think so. So, I wonder if they could do something like that. Because that was a bit like on Gilmore Girls, right? When yeah. Richard Gilmore died, they kind of made that like that was mm-hmm. like an impetus like, for a Richard lot of people. Gilmore was such a integral part of the show that you couldn't just like oh he died in the past yeah like they had to do it that way yeah, whereas like i feel great. like he like monica and ross's dad could die and it could be like sad but not like integral to the show isn't one of their like monica and chandler's kids named after him i'm pretty sure one of their I mean, twins i don't remember i think it's jack and what was anna faris's name I don't know. I would love to remember. Um, I was literally watching her the other day on this. Um, yeah, definitely. God, we have so many, so many plot points that um, mm-hmm. there's going to have to be a joke about being on a break. Uh, uh, we should, um, we will, for you, the listeners, create a friend's bingo for you. Yeah. Play while watching the reunion episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think like so many things from it have only got like more classic over time, right? Like they never mentioned it again while the show was on, but like uh, saying you're my lobster. Like the lobster, for instance, right? Like I felt that was kind of a throwaway comment from Phoebe at the beginning, and then mm-hmm. um, and that was iconic. But even things like my sandwich or like the holiday armadillo and um all of that could like de- oh, what if Emily comes back? Mm, I always thought it was weird that they called their daughter Emma when yes. Emily was a thing. Right? It's a little close to the bone. Um, I hope Carol and Susan come back. They're great. They, they have to. They were always I mean, great. It's going to be Ben's wedding, so they have it's to. Very, yeah, we have decided. It's yes. absolutely. Um, that'll be the center of the bingo card. Ben's wedding. <laughs> Gosh, I would love. I would love this. All right. It's and happening. Will be ben. They can't yeah. not do that. They have to. Like, no, because I think it's so like it, it wasn't just some random kid actor. Like now everyone knows that it was like Cole yeah. Sprat. So um and not even Dylan. Like they couldn't even pass off Dylan. We know it was Cole Sprat. So and he's spoken about it a lot. So I feel like they have to do it. I mean, like it's a gold mine for them. Yeah, it really is. Like, you know, if this is what I said it was and it was a way to funnel people into HBO Max, like you're going to get a lot of people like maybe my sister's age and younger, you know, who are kind of like 18 and younger Mm -hmm. who like don't like friends. I mean, my sister doesn't like friends. She didn't like Riverdale either. But like there's people of her age that Mm -hmm. don't like friends, but like Riverdale, let's say. So um, it does make me feel sad. They didn't even really have Zach and Cody, but Mm -hmm. 
So sad. Oh, the smelly cat's going to come back. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, there's so many, so many moments. So many fantastic moments. I think it'd be great to see all like the guest stars come back because obviously some of them are super mm-hmm. famous. Like I would love mm-hmm. um, Reese Witherspoon and Christina Applegate to come back as Rachel's sisters. Yeah. Amazing. That would be so good. We'll be all over it. I don't think they can bring back Chandler's dad. No, not with all the jokes. Unless it's like Chandler like reconnecting with his dad and apologizing. Right? Yeah, because that's what I think would have to happen with um, Carol and Susan at Ben's wedding. Because Ross always kind of used that as a joke, like mm-hmm. Carol being a lesbian. Having said that, I feel that's completely different than him being like randomly against lesbians. Like I'm not saying he has a license, but I can see why someone – who was incredibly hurt by their wife mm-hmm. leaving them for anyone might make jokes every now and then about it as a way to kind of overcome the pain. So, yes. um, but I think the, they have to the be Chandler more sensitive. and his dad thing, bad. His mom, whatever he wants to call him. Yeah. We could establish that in canon. That'd be great. Yeah. There's definitely some moments for rectification in the show, but overall, extremely extremely excited about it all righty then that is it for another installment of different things can be sad micah what will you be up to before we hear from you again i will be going to new york city Welcome to New York. Yes, you heard it right, kids. We will be hanging out again. So mm-hmm. you will hopefully be getting some live bits in your March 2020 episode. I think that's all that's happening. That is my it's main excitement. It's the only exciting thing. Yes. Yeah, it is my main. Actually, my birthday is in March, so yeah. I'm a little bit excited about that. Well. That's also exciting. I'll give it a go. Give it a go. Anyway, until you hear from us together again. Bye. Bye.